I want you to imagine with me this morning that your parents have sent you off to summer camp. Um, sent you off to summer camp in that, you know, the, 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 the mecca of summer camps, the Black Mountain, Hendersonville, Asheville area, somewhere in that area. Uh, and you're going to be at, at summer camp for a month. About halfway through the month, your camp counselor is going to write a letter to your mother, giving her an update on how you're doing at camp. And when your mother gets this letter and reads it, she in turn is going to write a letter to you. Which letter do you want to get from your mom? Letter A or letter B? Here's letter A. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad to hear you're having a good time and obeying the staff and helping out and generally playing well with others. It's a pleasure to be your mother. I love you. Letter A. Or do you want to get letter B? I can't believe you've forgotten everything I taught you. You don't even act like you're really my son. You really need to act, get your act together. I don't even know why I let you go to these things. We, we all obviously uh, would want to get letter A, not letter B. Uh, we're starting a, a study of the book of Philippians today, which is a letter. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he played a part in starting in Philippi. It's one of a handful of letters like that. Uh, in the New Testament. What if the Apostle Paul were to write a letter to Grace Presbyterian Church? What do you think that letter would say? What would you want it to say? What would you want it to sound like if the Apostle Paul was writing us a letter? Would you want it to sound like this? This is a letter he wrote one time to, to people in Galatia. For I am astonished that you are quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one. Would you want to get would you want to be the one to get that letter from the Apostle Paul? Or would you want to get this letter? The letter he sends to Philippians. Uh, look with me at the Word of God. Philippians chapter one, verse one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is by witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father in heaven, uh, thank you for this uh, word that you have given us. I pray that you would bless now the preaching of your word to our understanding. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just blew right through and then let you come talk. We're gonna, Stan's going to talk at the end instead of doing the <laughs> announcements. I just kind of get... On track sometimes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Uh, which of those two letters are we picking? 
Uh, do we want to? We want to hear Galatians. We want to hear that type of letter from Paul, or do we want to hear Philippians, that type of letter from Paul? I think we all would pick if we if we got to choose, and we'd want to hear a letter that is more like Philippians. Uh, not that we are quickly deserting what we've been taught, uh, but that remembering us actually brings the Apostle Paul joy. That praying for us is not labor for him, but he actually likes to pray for us. It's not like uh, hiking up some mountain with a 50-pound pack on his back to pray for us. Oh, these knuckleheads at Grace Presbyterian and Spartanburg. I've got to pray for them again. But it's more like falling down the mountain, except in a good way. It's just easy. It's just, it's just natural for him to do. Okay? It's a happy fall. Um, he, he, it brings him joy for him to pray for us. That, that's the letter that we'd want to get from him. And if that's the letter that we want to get from him, uh, then maybe we should think about, well, what was it about that church at Philippi that brought him such joy? that made him pray in this way for them. And, and ask ourselves, are we that type of church? Do we have the potential to be that type of church? What would it take for us to be that type of church that would bring the Apostle Paul that type of joy? So, so let's ask that question, what was it that brought him so much joy at this church? Look in verse 3 again. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, the thing that brought the Apostle Paul such joy, he says, is the partnership in the gospel that he has with the Philippians. Uh, the word that's translated partnership can also be translated fellowship. Their fellowship in the gospel. Now, when we think about fellowship, we think about Sunday night fellowship. Uh, we think about coffee and donuts type of fellowship. We, we think about getting together and hanging out. And certainly that can be a part of what fellowship is, but there's more to it than that. In the first century, this word fellowship actually had commercial overtones. So if two people decided, hey, let's go in together, buy a boat, and start a fishing business, they were in a fellowship or a partnership. And you better believe if you had put your life savings in to buying a boat and starting a business, then you were going to work at that. You were going to make the sacrifices that were needed to make sure that that business succeeded. Christian fellowship has at its heart being bound together by the gospel and working together to advance the cause of the gospel. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, think about the name of the first book of that series, The Fellowship of the Ring. The Fellowship of the Ring. And in that book, you, you have a group of very different folk, um, uh, humans and wizards and hobbits and elves and dwarves, and people who didn't really always get along too well outside of that fellowship, but they come together, very different, I keep wanting to say very different people, but they're not all people, very different creatures uh, who come together on this common quest, on this common mission. They're united by the mission that they have. The gospel does that sort of thing. It takes people of different races, different interests, different socioeconomic groups, uh, different ages, people from different political parties, people who cheer for different teams, people who don't cheer for any teams, 
and, and it unites us all together in this partnership, in this fellowship of the gospel. We're bound together by the gospel. Why does the gospel do that? If this is the thing that gives Paul such joy, the fact that they have this partnership in the gospel, then how is this partnership going to be created? What is it that creates, takes all of these diverse people and mixes them all together and creates this bond that gives the Apostle Paul such joy? Well, three things, and I'll kind of flesh these out as we go along. Uh, Christ, church, and mission. Christ, church, and mission. Uh, The gospel creates a partnership among believers in Jesus Christ, first of all, because it unites us to Jesus Christ. It connects us to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. That's actually one of the Apostles Paul's favorite phrases. He uses it over 160 times in the New Testament. He he says that more than an Alabama fan says, roll tide, okay? In Christ, in Christ. He's always saying that. So what does he mean when when he says that? To be in Christ is to be connected to Jesus Christ in such a way that you have a share in all that he has accomplished. That what he has done is, is yours. That his death is your death. That his resurrection is your resurrection. And this is not just some paper connection that you have. You have an actual living, breathing fellowship and communion with him. See, the gospel says that we are all sinners in need of a savior. That we're all more sinful than we ever would have imagined. That we can never do enough to make ourselves acceptable to God, but the gospel also tells us that we're more loved than we'd ever dare to dream. That God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die the death we should have died and to live the life that we should have lived so that our sins can be forgiven and so that we can be made actually acceptable to God. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. And so what the gospel tells us is not that the good people are in and the bad people are out. The gospel actually tells us that the prideful people are out and the humble people are in. Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see God. Uh, We talked recently about how hyper-competitive our society is, how we're an achievement-oriented and achievement-driven society. You know, we watch the top plays of the day on SportsCenter. We don't watch the middle 50% plays of the day on SportsCenter. We want to see the, the top of the class perform. But the gospel says your acceptance by God has absolutely nothing to do with your performance. Nothing to do with how good you are. Nothing to do with your ability to get things right. And everything to do with what Jesus Christ has done. You see how that levels the ground for everybody? None of us, if we are part of God's family, can look down on other people in God's family thinking, oh, I'm, I'm better than them or I'm, I have it together more than they do. Because we are each one a part of God's family, not because of what we do, but because of what God has done for us in Christ. And we've put our faith not in ourselves, not even in our spiritual selves, but we've put our faith in Jesus Christ. 
and now we're connected to Him. Each one of us is connected to Him by faith. So two questions then. Are you connected to Jesus Christ by faith? Are you looking to Him not as just a good example, but actually as your Savior? Looking to Him as the one who makes you right with God. And then the second question is, if you're a part of Grace Presbyterian Church, is that connection to Jesus foundational to the way you look at the other members of Grace Presbyterian Church? Do you look at other, other people of the body and say, I'm connected to Steve because Steve is connected to Jesus Christ? I'm connected to Annie because Annie is connected to Jesus Christ. See, what the Gospel tells us is that we are all fellow sinners saved by grace, united to one another, concerned for one another, bearing one another's burdens because, first of all, each one of us is a sinner saved by faith and connected to Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. The reason we're connected to each other is because we're, first of all, each one connected to Jesus Christ. That's the first reason we're able to have a partnership in the Gospel. Uh, secondly, though, we do have this connection to Christ. We're also connected to one another in the local church. Look at verse 1 again. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Paul doesn't look at the Philippians as these isolated individuals. He looks at them as a group. The, the Philippians have been called out of the world and they've been called into this community, this common community called the church. Um, we live in a hyper-competitive society. We also live in a very individualistic society, uh, which in many ways makes us uh, isolated. And we've talked about that before. We're, we're connected in more ways than ever, but often those connections are very superficial at, at best. We talk about the big game or, or various kind of superficial things, things that are going on, on the outside, the latest movies, and yet often we talk about very little of what's going on on the inside of our lives, the things that we're really struggling with, the things that actually make us hurt, the burdens that uh, we're trying to bear. And yet, and yet we long for community. We long for people to share those burdens with uh, because God didn't create us to be alone. When God created Adam, he said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And so he created Eve to be his companion. And we all long for this community and relationship. The problem is, is not only has our sin alienated us from God, it's also alienated us from each other. And yet we, we know we need relationships. They're just a lot harder because of sin. And so we continue to seek them out, but they're just scarred by our sin. Uh, often we, we make demands on people, uh, demanding that they serve us in the way that we want to be served. Or we have expectations of people that they can never live up to, and then we get angry with them when they fail us and when they don't actually meet our expectations. We can even kind of develop a consumer mentality about other people. Uh, looking at people the way we look at the, the menu at McDonald's, you know, I'd like a hamburger with, let's see, with tomatoes, no pickles, no onions, a little bit, no, not too much ketchup, uh, just a little bit, just the right amount. And, and we can start to look at people that way as well. Who's going who's gonna to meet my needs? Who's going to fit my personality? Who's going to make me laugh? Who's going to be fun for me to hang out with? Who's going to click with me? 
And so sometimes we don't really try to, to love people as much as we just use people to meet our needs. And yet the gospel begins to work against that. The gospel begins to change that as we see again, you know, that person's a sinner just like me. That person needs the grace of God just like me. I need it as much as, as they do. The gospel frees us to look at other people as those who are made in God's image and in need of God's grace, just as I'm in need of God's grace. The gospel enables us to look at other members of Christ's body and say, honestly and realistically, you know, outside of our union in Christ, I don't know that I would like them very much. Uh, we We don't necessarily click that well. They're hard to talk to um, we don't have common interests. They always manage to, to push my buttons in some way. But they're united to Christ. And I'm united to Christ. And we're united to each other. And so, how can I treat them with contempt? How can I hold a grudge against them when God hasn't held a grudge against me? How can I not forgive their small sins against me when God has forgiven my infinite sin against us? The gospel changes the way we think about other people and our connection to other people. It's not like the church at Philippi didn't have problems, right? But because they were united as a church by the gospel, Paul is able to look at them and he's able to say, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God when I run into you in the grocery store. I thank my God... But when I see you on Sunday morning, I, I pray for you. And when I think about you and pray for you, it, it's not this great effort. I pray for you with joy. Is the gospel creating that kind of partnership among us, the people at Grace Presbyterian Church? So that not only do we pray for one another, but we actually pray for one another with joy. So believe in the gospel creates a connection with Christ. It creates a connection with other people. But notice where it creates the connection. It's not just sort of this generic thing. It happens in the local church. Uh, Again, listen to the way Paul starts this letter. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. See, in Paul's mind for somebody to say, I'm a Christian, but I, I just don't go to church. I don't belong to a church. I don't attend church. He would have looked at you like you had six eyes. Look what, that, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, to be a Christian would be, to me, a part of Christ's church. But it's, it's very American for us to think, well, it's just me and Jesus and my Bible, and I can handle this Christian walk on my own, and I'll get together with other Christians every now and then, but I'll decide when that is and when enough, when that's enough. But again, look at the letter. It's written to the saints together with the overseers and the deacons. Another word for overseers is, is elders, these men in the Bible, these leaders in the church who are appointed to give oversight, to give spiritual oversight to Christ's flock, to shepherd you, to correct us. To call, us, to call us out when that's needed. To encourage us, to love us, to point us to Jesus Christ. 
Christians are called to be under the authority of these elders, and you can't be under the authorities of these the authority of these elders if you're not a part of a particular local body of Christ. You can't do that if you're not connected to the church. The New Testament calls us, first of all, to be connected to Christ and to be connected to one another, but to be connected to one another within the church in a particular, local, visible church. Uh, what if I were to tell you this morning that I'm a soldier? And, and after you finish laughing, you, you, I, I told you I'm a member of the Army, and you said, well, where did you go to basic training? And I said, I, I just did it on my own. I got a video off the Internet. <laughs> and then you said, well, where do you go to drill? I was like, just, just out in my backyard. It's, 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 we, we, can do, we got snakes back there. It's very dangerous. <laughs> um, where, do you, where do you go to, together with other soldiers for, for in, instruction and briefing and instructions? Well, I, I, I don't really. And, and, and who's your commanding officer? Who gives you oversight? Nobody. I just. What army are you a part of? <laughs> are you Are you sure you're a soldier? What would Scripture say to someone who would say, "Well, I'm just kind of doing Christianity on my own. I'm not a part of the church." What church are you a part of? You're You're not a part of the church, and yet you call yourself a Christian. It's very odd. It's very odd that you would say that. Now, some of you, um, you may have people you need to have this conversation with. Um, because we all know people who are believers, and, and maybe you're here today and you're not a part of a particular church. Uh, but, but we all know people who are believers who just are saying, I, I don't need the church, I can just do this on my own. And you need to, to gently and lovingly point them to what the Scriptures say. That God calls us to be connected to Christ, yes, but also to be connected to His people in the church in a particular local visible church. So, is this partnership, right? This partnership that brings Paul such joy. Where did that partnership come from? They're connected to Christ. They're connected in the church uh, to each other. And then lastly, they're connected because they have this shared mission. Look at verse 7. You are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Uh, as you read through, as we read through the book of Philippians, you'll see that the Philippians have stood with Paul both, both in terms of financial resources uh, and in terms of people resources as well. Why were they willing to do that? Why were they so behind him? Because they had a shared mission. They didn't have, they didn't all have the same role to play in the mission, but they had a shared mission. Uh, y'all, in, in undertaking to plant this church, we have a shared mission. We've undertaken a shared mission to make Jesus Christ known in Spartanburg. To go and make disciples in Spartanburg. To declare the good news of God's grace and favor in Spartanburg. That's our mission. And we have to be united in that mission. We all have different roles to play. We all have different gifts that we bring to the table. And so the way that we're involved and that mission is going to look differently for each person. But there is a mission, and we have to be united in it as one, as a church. Uh, one of the ways we participate in the mission is through uh, giving financially to the work of the church. Uh, two or three months ago, I, I sent out an email to everybody 
uh, letting you know that we are kind of behind on giving for the year. Uh, and that it's, it's very vital for us to keep up on giving because of our status as a church plant. And we're supported by uh, outside individuals and churches. Uh, and so we have to make sure not to get behind on that. And you all responded to that. And you gave generously to that. Uh, and, and I'm thankful for that. Your response to that shows that you understand the nature of the mission, that we are partners in trying to reach Spartanburg with the gospel. Uh, another way that we come together, uh, uh, another way that we're united in mission is by praying together and having conversations about the mission that we're carrying out. And honestly, I feel like we're kind of inconsistent on that level. Um, and I think we have to ask ourselves, is reaching people with the gospel really animating our conversations with each other and our prayers with one another? Are we, are, are we willing to sacrifice our me time uh, in order to, to come together to pray as the body of Christ, to talk about the mission of the church, to talk about how it's going? And to talk about why it's hard. To talk about particular people that you're trying to to reach with the gospel. And to talk about why that's hard. To talk talk about the barriers in them. And to talk about the barriers in us. And to talk about our own fears and the things that hinder us. And and to pray about that. And to encourage one another in mission. See, if you're just here because you like the music, which is really good. uh, Or if you like the doctrine... Or if you like the teaching, then, then, I, then I'm glad you're here. Um, but for us to have a partnership in the gospel, for us to be the type of church that Paul would pray with joy for, we've really got to be united in mission, in, in, in what we're trying to do as a church. It's got to animate our conversations and our lives, and it's really got to animate our prayers as well. And so... Why is Paul joyful? Partnership in the gospel. What creates this partnership in the gospel? United to Christ, united to each other in the church, and then united in mission. All right? Now let's go a little bit further. Why did that excite him so much? Why is that such a big deal to him? Look at verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, when when Paul saw this happening at Philippi, when he saw connected to Jesus, connected to each other, connected in the church, they've got a shared mission. They're about what I'm doing. They're about the the spread of the gospel. When, When he saw that he saw that as evidence of God's work in the Philippians' lives. And he knew that what God starts, God finishes. Paul saw this this fruit in the lives of the Philippians, that they were excited about the message of the gospel. Uh, He saw that as evidence of God's work. He's sitting here saying, y'all get it. The Galatians don't get it. But but, but y'all get it. And the gospel is changing you. And that's evidence of the fact that God is at work in your lives. That wouldn't have happened if God hadn't shown up and was actually changing you. And I'm excited about that. Praise be to God because He is the one who is animating and changing lives in this church. And so we ask ourselves, 
Is God at work here? Is, is the Gospel animating us? Is God at work in your life? Is the Gospel changing you? Are, are, are you growing in love for God? Are you growing in love for your neighbor? Do you, do you long to be in a Gospel partnership with the other members of Grace Presbyterian Church? Are you more and more willing to give of your time and your treasure and your talents to make sure that the work of the Gospel goes forward so that other people would know Jesus Christ? And what do you do if the answer to those questions is no? Not really? I'd argue it's the same thing you do if the answer to those questions is yes. And, and here's what I mean. Look at verse 9 to 11, and we'll wrap up here. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, so Paul sees this stuff happening at Philippi. He's excited about that. It brings him joy. It's a sign to him that God is at work. And so what does he do? He says, God's got that going. I'm going to go worry about something else. I'll go watch Sports Center now. I don't have to worry about that church. They are on the right track. That's not what he did at all, is it? His response to the fact that God is at work there and he's confident that what God has started, God will finish, is to go and pray. Because he didn't see prayer as something optional just because he saw God working. He prayed for them. He prays for God's continued work in their lives. And so if you're saying this morning, I really can't see how God is at work in my life. I'm, I'm not excited about this partnership that I'm supposed to have in the gospel. Then I would simply call you and call us to pray, to do what Paul had done, to do what Paul did, and to pray for each other, to be honest about where you are, and not to try to cover that up, but simply to ask the body of Christ to pray for you, that you would love well, that you would have a love for other people, and then that love would be shaped by knowledge and discernment, that you would know how to love and to live well, and that fruit would blossom in your life, the fruit of of love for God and love for neighbor, that would blossom in your life as you enjoy a living, breathing union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this last verse again. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I'll give you a challenge for the week. I don't get challenges much, so I'm giving you a challenge this week. Uh, get up this week and read your Bible. Okay, that's a churchy thing to say. Uh, get up this week and read your Bible, but try not to read your Bible simply because you're supposed to read your Bible. Pray this week. But don't pray just because oh, I'm a Christian and Justin challenged me this week and I'm supposed to pray. But try to look at it this way. Read your Bible and pray because you need Jesus. Read your Bible and pray because you realize that you need Jesus, and this is the place where you get Jesus. Uh, I've been I've been reading this book recently on how to get up early. Uh, it's thirty days of how to get up early. It's one of those books you you get like five days into, and you're like, I can't believe somebody paid this guy to write this book. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't write this book. 
set an alarm, go to bed early. Okay, thanks. It's kind of a, a, a motivational pep talk. But, but, but one morning I'm reading and he's got your reminder of the day, your hint for the day. All right, here's your hint for the day. Drink coffee. Drink coffee. I'll, okay, great. Drink coffee will help you if you try to get up uh, early. And then he notes, for those of you who don't drink coffee, I don't know how you're going to do this. <laughs> I can't drink coffee. Um, and I won't tell you that story, but I can't, I used to love it, but I can't drink coffee anymore. And so at this point, I just kind of want to throw the book against the wall. All right? Because I can't do the one thing that you say is vital to me being able to get up early. Um, but for a lot of us, and I was this way at one time, you're not going to go through the day without getting coffee, right? You're not going to function. I'm not functional without that first cup of coffee in the morning. I crave it. I need it. I've got to have it to, for me to work, to function. For many of us, there's this spiritual vacuum in our lives that we're trying to fill. Uh, some of us are trying to will ourselves into loving other people well and doing this missional thing that this church plan is, is supposed to be doing. We're just trying to work that up inside ourselves. And some of us have just gotten to the point where we're like, ah, this is just too hard. I, don't, I just don't care. I, I, I don't know I shouldn't say that, but I just don't care. And all of us need Jesus. Not in some generic, I need Jesus to be my Savior so I can die. So when I die, I can go to heaven and have eternal life. And I made that decision 10 years ago, and I don't really need Jesus anymore. That's taken care of. But I need Jesus as my Savior now. I need, I need salvation today. I, I need Jesus today spiritually in the way that I need coffee every morning. If I don't get Jesus today, then I'm not going to function. If I don't get coffee today, I'm not going to function physically. If I don't have Jesus Christ, then my life is going to be a wreck. I need a Savior today. See, if we as a church will not just devote ourselves to, to trying to work ourselves up to do this mission, but if we as a church will devote ourselves to seeking communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, eventually... As Psalm 1 says, like that tree planted by streams of living water, we will bear fruit in season. We will bear fruit. Uh, we will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes not from trying to create righteousness in ourselves, but from living out of this union with Jesus Christ. We'll be united in mission. We'll be united in our love for one another. And we'll have a partnership in the gospel that will bring joy and glory and honor and praise to our Father in Heaven. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do ask that you would make us uh, this type of church like the, the church in Philippi. That there really would be a living, breathing union with the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would truly be connected to each other in our lives, bearing one another's burdens. And that we really would have a sense of mission, a sense of the gospel mission that would drive us forward as a church and would shape our very lives. Uh, Father, help us. We give you praise for the ways you are working among us. Uh, Father, we confess that there are ways in which we're straggling and, and struggling. And we pray that you might uh, be at work in an even greater way. That you might 
stir us up, that you might point us to Christ, conform us to him, that you might mold our hearts into the shape of your heart so that we would have a great love for the people around us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.